The Soul of an Internet Machine, a podcast journaling the adventures of a business and a software development team figuring their way through the challenges of launching a new venture. We make the occasional good decision, spend time following bad ones, and get trapped by world events. Ping me, Christina Moore, on Twitter at Seymour underbar SP. That's Charlie Mike, C-M-O-O-R-E underbar SP, or at the website, ChristinaMoore.us. Chapter 7. Wayfair Wayside The United States is poorly named. The states are not united. States have their own laws and even legal systems. We acknowledge 50 states and often fail to remember the other 6 million U.S. citizens who live in territories or districts who do not have voting representation at the federal level of our government. That is shameful but not a topic for this show about business entrepreneurship, technology, and software development. My other show, The History of Now, does explore this issue. Back on track. Each state makes its own rules about charging taxes for the sale of goods or services. The United States does not have a united approach to sales tax, goods tax, service tax, or the like. For decades, internet-based firms exempted themselves from charging or collecting sales tax. Bigger companies took on limited solutions. As a small company with limited offerings and a base in a state with rather a tiny population, we were opting to ignore sales tax entirely. Oops, the dam broke when our accounting team explained South Dakota versus Wayfair Inc. Vision opened wide at that moment. My resistance to keeping PayPal and not collecting sales tax ceased instantly. We shifted focus knowing we needed an immediate solution for calculating and collecting sales tax for internet, product, and services. South Dakota v. Wayfair, Inc. Sales tax in the United States obscures the complex history of North America from the founding to the present. The federal government in the United States does not charge sales tax. The tax is charged by states, municipalities, or counties. Thankfully, states have coalesced on the idea that states will collect sales tax on behalf of counties and municipalities. There are 58 states and territories, approximately 3,000 counties, and the number of municipalities defies definition. Some states have no sales tax, and the state of New York has over 2,500 separate tax jurisdictions. North America was not founded as a nation, but a series of competing colonial territories held by competing crowns of Europe. During the Revolutionary War, the boundaries remained fluid. New Englanders invaded Montreal. Florida joined the United States in 1845, having been a Spanish colony twice, a French colony, a British colony, a part of the United States, then the Confederate States of America, then part of the United States again. Vermont, firmly established as a New England state, stood as an independent republic from 1777 to 1791. Vermont joined the United States eight years after the Revolutionary War with the British Crown. How does this matter 200 years later? States possess significant freedom to enforce legislation and collect taxes. The United States Constitution contains the following statement. The powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states respectively or the people. Both my hometown in Massachusetts and my current town in Vermont have town government structures that predate the founding of the nation. 
Towns assumed significant authority. They raised and funded militias. They governed themselves. They taxed themselves. They established their own boundaries and defended them. States invaded each other and fought battles with each other. We, New Englanders, fought against indigenous people, fought alongside indigenous people. We fought battles against New York. We fought alongside the British, then against them twice. All of this in the first 200 years of European settlement here. The traditional seat of power in New England rested with towns. Towns organized to form state governments. States existed well before the nation formed. And to form a more perfect union, states negotiated as equals with other states to create a national government. We could not envision an economy where goods were purchased via a global fiber optic infrastructure and goods were delivered nearly everywhere or anywhere within days of placing an order with a credit card. For almost 400 years, North Americans engaged in commerce regulated and taxed, primarily at the local level. Correspondingly, we have a 400-year tradition of manipulating the local rules for personal gain. Sometimes we call that smuggling. Sometimes prudence. Our state borders and local laws often create economic and social refuges. Evidence exists from the Atlantic to the Pacific. Fireworks, illegal in Massachusetts, may be bought in New Hampshire tax-free at several towns located on the border. Here, in the southern extreme of Vermont, we can buy goods 20 minutes south in Massachusetts, paying 6.25% sales tax, or drive to the nearest Vermont town 20 minutes away. We pay 7% there, or we can drive another 10 minutes and pay no sales tax in New Hampshire. I can hold and carry a loaded shotgun in Vermont, then drive to New Hampshire and do the same thing legally, cross the state line into Massachusetts, and then I have committed a felony with the exact same action of standing in an empty farm field with a shotgun. Internet commerce largely ignores these complexities. If New York State has 2,500 separate tax jurisdictions with varied rates, the laws are more punitive to follow them than to skirt them. If we drive to New Hampshire to buy lumber and gardening soil, must I inform the state of Vermont that I spent $50 on goods? Is there a booth astride the Connecticut River where I must make my declaration and pay duties? Do I owe duty and taxes as I travel across the united states? The answer is, it depends. The rules of internet commerce follow the ancient patterns of face-to-face commerce. In short, If the seller had a presence in the same state as the buyer, then sales tax rules could be enforced. Britain imposed taxes on the American colonies. The English taxed paper documents as a result of the Stamp Act. Taxes on tea imported from China. The British government at various times required that all exports from their colonies go to Britain, and at other times requiring that the colonies buy only British goods. Historically, a buyer does not pay taxes to a state unless the state affirmatively knows that the transaction took place, thereby initiating a game played by both the buyer and the seller. It is both cheaper and less risky for a seller to avoid the visibility in a state. Our firm once engaged in a contract with the state of Louisiana. We sold them subscription-based software. We had no employees in the state. We didn't work in the state. We never opened an office in the state. 
Our equipment was not in Louisiana. We never shipped any tangible goods to Louisiana. The state of Louisiana required that we register in their state as a foreign limited liability company, LLC. To register as a vendor in the state, we also had to apply for a state reseller certificate, which obliges us to report sales revenue and remit sales tax to Louisiana. Our only customer was the state of Louisiana, which is tax exempt. We had no expectation or desire to sell software retail in Louisiana. Therefore, we would never collect sales tax in Louisiana. When our contract with that state ended, we canceled our sales tax certificate and withdrew our foreign LLC registration. And that is when the fines and penalties started piling up. We likely should have paid the small annual fee to Louisiana and submit the routine zero tax dollar return. Instead, they charged us thousands of dollars for unremitted sales tax. It took months or more to extricate ourselves from this mess. We had had a similar problem with the state of New York in 2012. As a result, we continued to pay small fees in various states to keep useless registrations valid. The fines for violating some state or county sales tax rules defy logic. Imagine pulling over to a booth at the Massachusetts border to declare taxes due on fireworks and booze that you bought in New Hampshire. In fact, this is a daily occurrence at the Canadian border. I know of folks who live in Quebec whilst keeping a shipping address in Vermont. Amazon delivers to Vermont, and while in Vermont picking up your brown box, might as well fill the car with fuel. The drive back north becomes the retail version of smuggling. In June of 2018, the Supreme Court of the United States, SCOTUS, declared an end to these practices. The state of South Dakota desired to collect sales tax revenue from an internet reseller called Wayfair, Inc. With the stroke of a pen, SCOTUS created a novel industry, Interstate Sales Tax Compliance Service Provider. I'll say that again. Interstate Sales Tax Compliance Service Provider. According to SCOTUS, the seller of a product or service must now collect sales tax. Given impossibly complex tapestry of sales laws, we may now hire a firm that will take care of these problems for us. Someone created provisions for partial immunity to vendors. The big print and broad description obscure the very real risks and liabilities that are buried in this ruling. SCOTUS and their Wayfair decision provided clarity and uniformity. Amazon had already been paying sales tax in 25 states. Other companies were not. The Wayfair ruling instructed companies to follow states' rules. The ruling did nothing to standardize the sales tax laws. In Vermont, software as a service is not taxable. In another state, it is. In California, a firm does not pay sales tax until they have $500,000 in sales in that state. In Georgia, the threshold is either $100,000 in sales or 200 transactions. New Hampshire and Alaska have no sales tax. Some states banded together presenting a streamlined sales tax process. The body of this rule sounds better than it is. The SST is riddled with exemptions and variances. Promises exceed delivery. Apparently, a firm can get the same identification number and use a standardized set of forms with the state who participate except when dot 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 
and in the exception lives regulatory compliance misery. The Supreme Court announced to businesses that you must follow thousands of separate laws. And maybe if you did everything right and still make a mistake, your sales tax vendor will absorb those fines, penalties, and failures. I don't believe that. I tried to follow the rules, but could not. There is little forgiveness for a team standing in front of a judge saying, I really, really, really tried to follow California's tax law. I could throw in another, really? Failure to follow tax law must be punitive, correct? The cost of failure must exceed the cost of compliance. Otherwise, these laws are useless. Way back in the old days, interstate commercial transactions avoided some messiness. I drive a few firecrackers back home. I didn't pay any taxes on an item that was illegal anyway. Fireworks are illegal in Vermont. I buy some lumber and fuel before crossing the state line. Today, we must all follow the thousands of tax laws in thousands of jurisdictions under the scrutiny of any state or territory who desires participation in the game. If a state plays, they get revenue and fines and penalties for a rather modest investment. In 2020, Podcast Flow will likely pay no sales tax to any state. Our cost for compliance with this law is approximately $600 on day one. The cost of this service seems to be a dollar per transaction for every transaction, whether taxed or not. The related sales tax return will cost over $50 per return. If a state wants a return per month, the total cost for supporting one state starts at $600 plus a $300 registration fee. When Podcast Flow LLC registered for sales tax in Vermont, they told us to file monthly. We saved $300 by filing with our home state for free. The monthly tax returns would cost us $600 annually. I wrote the state tax agency asking for quarterly reports, thereby reducing our costs to only $200 per year. How much tax will we owe the state of Vermont? None. Vermont does not tax software as a service. We will now spend $200 per year to prove we owe no tax. We examined the cost of sales tax compliance. We were unable to estimate the cost of compliance nationwide. We guess that a buck per transaction is a minimum. Imagine being a business owner that sold a $5 product via the internet. 20% gone, $1, one buck. Today, our fees for tax compliance look like this. $150 activation fee, a $35 connector fee, $1.26 per transaction for the first 250 transactions or sales. On our 250th transaction, we'll buy another block of transactions. $660 buys us 500 transactions, so $1.32 per transaction. It is possible the cost of registration and filing tax returns in 25 states could cost us as much as $25,000. At their best pricing, the tax service company stated we could eventually pay as little as 20 cents per transaction if we hit 50,000 transactions. Tack on another $10,000. Compliance will cost Podcast Flow between $600 and $35,000 depending on factors we cannot forecast. 
this is what the Wayfair decision means to us. We need a service that will precisely calculate the sales tax based on the buyer's location, the service or product purchased, and inform us within a few milliseconds. PayPal could not do this trick. Recurly, while not responsible for the tax resolution process, did have a means of solving the problem. And our firm will work comfortably within the rules of these United-ish states. The Soul of an Internet Machine is a copyrighted production of Fire Media LLC 2020, all rights reserved. You can find me at my website, christinamore.us. Email is okay too, christina at christinamore.us.